0: This is the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. Peter Holden and welcome to this very special edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast as we do a one-hour preview of the Victorian Football League Women's Competition for 2016. We'll be explaining what it's all about in just a moment's time, but first of all, to introduce my uh, co-contributors for today at the roundtable. First of all, the voice of football in Ballarat. You hear him on Sunbury Radio 99.3 on a Saturday morning. You hear him on Saturday afternoons calling for 97.9 FM Melton in the Ballarat Football League and of course on Sundays calling for us at girlsplayfooty.com. It's great to have you, Matthew Cox. Great to hear the dulcet tones of Peter Holden again in
1: 2016 and looking forward to what should be a very exciting season.
0: And also joining us, the co-founder of girlsplayfooty.com uh, also had uh, an article published on SBS Zala during the off-season. Uh, it's nice to have back Katie Lembeski.
2: Thank you Pete, thank you Pete. Good to good to be back and looking forward to a huge season ahead.
0: Well, let's talk about season uh, 2016. First of all, your thoughts on this both. I'll go to uh, Katie first, as obviously you're a player with the Spurs in the competition. This new structure where... um, It's not the old Premier Division from what they're calling it. They're calling it now VFL Women's. They've got the six Premier Division teams with four teams promoted from Division One. What's your first impressions before the first bounce down?
2: Uh, I love it. Um, I think finally it's been promoted as this huge thing it's now it's not just another league that the AFL Vic just um just administers now it's it's a main event it's a proper league in its own right and I think having it as curtain races with other VFL games across the season really really works just introducing more and more people to women's footy having clubs like Williamstown, who will be playing a curtain racer with sometime this season. I think it's, it's great. I mean, you, I think everything that's come together has really been good, and I can't wait to see how it all plays out. It's going to be it's a huge year, it's an exciting year, so can't wait for it all to begin, to be honest.
0: And uh, yourself, Maddie, from a sports reporter's uh, point of view, what's your thoughts on uh, this concept of this new league? Oh, I think it's absolutely fantastic, and,
1: and coming off what over the summer has been phenomenal coverage of women's football in general, uh, it's fantastic that we've now got what uh, AFL Victoria officially classifies as a state competition, rather than being divvied up into the various divisions. And I think having VFL Women's stand separately to your traditional Premier Division and, and Division One. Uh, It just, it it elevates it and gives it a bit more importance. And especially as we push in towards the national competition as well, I think it puts extra weight behind it. So from from just an overall look perspective of it and an outsider coming in, I I think this... It brings professionalism and um, elitism. I think, if you can, if that's the word. Um, but it, yeah, it, it just it puts a bit of polish on, on the competition
0: as well. Katie, you might know some more at a players level. I'm already hearing um, word that there's some kind of there's some kind of weird structure because what happens is we should point out that the firsts for all these ten sides participate in the state league, while they're if they do have reserves or seconds are being scattered amongst the VWFL um, divisions, whether it be Premier Division 1, Division 2, depending on the quality of the sides. But throw into that, I've heard they've come up with some kind of weird concept that that your actual firsts are a squad of 30 or something like that?
2: Yeah, um, what's happened It's kind of standardizing everything into a VFL kind of level. It's 30 players Yeah, Apparently a squad of 30 has had to be submitted to AFL Victoria. And there are will be certain checkpoints in the year where uh, where you can make changes to that list. And exceptions can be made in terms of long-term injuries. Now, I'm not quite sure what they classify as long-term injuries. It's two months, which is a pretty sizable chunk of the year is it two months is it four months yeah i'm not quite clear on that but yeah i think it's a positive i think it's a positive rule you have to have a sort of professionalism and that's what i think everything that has happened over the summer with victorian women's footy has been about it's about installing that professionalism and getting everything right so i think this is all in the right it's all in the i think it's all for the right reasons and clubs are going to have to find ways of handling this and I think it only, can only be good for clubs going forward.
0: Uh, man, I, yes. guess, I guess uh, a little bit of the frustrating thing on, on the media side of things, obviously we're still waiting for more details to come through about the competition such as we don't know yet if it will be the same as Premier Division as in Is it 25-minute quarters, for example? Is it 22 players aside, or are they going 21 or 23? Because there is 23 that you can play at VFL level, where they have this rule for under-18s players that can play as the 23rd man. And also, um, is it still going to be 25-metre penalty, or it be a 50-metre penalty? Because we know that some of the women's state leagues across the different states all have their own rules in regards to the 25 or 50.
2: Admittedly, it's been a frustrating time particularly waiting around for stuff like this stuff like this and um fixtures in particular having this isn't a paid job this isn't a profession it's something you do out of love and in my case I've been trying to work out dates which I'm unavailable to play because I'll be working weekends this year and it's been kind of stressful having to wait as long as a month out before the season to even have a look at the fixture um so I mean it's it, obviously it's been a huge off season there's a lot of stuff to get right but there's obviously important stuff like fixturing, like these rulings as you just, as you just mentioned it's it's frustrating as a player sitting here but for all that for all they've gotten right over over the summer it's been a it's been a pretty um, frustrating couple months
1: Matt I'm in two minds because I obviously understand the frustration from Katie's perspective but I think they've had to take so long because it's almost completely new they've got to get everything right and if they make a decision and it goes belly up then you know it's going to be a negative look for for everyone so in terms of the the nitty-gritty stuff yes it would have been nice to know you know late december early january to have the fixtures finalized the rules finalized yes we're a week out and that that is frustrating from everyone's perspective and i'm sure you know there's issues with umpires and and all that sort of thing to get their head around the rules but i I just think that they've got to make sure that they get these rules right and if we are going to be as professional as what this new state competition name suggests in vfl women that you know we've got to look at these rules seriously i know we've had great discussions at length about the time on rule um, and, and, you know, how, how do we work that in that's going to be good for, from a spectator's point of view but also, too, from a, a player's point of view so it's not dramatically different to, to what it has been in previous seasons.
0: And what might seem simple, uh, Katie, but, of course, now we have to think about the wider implications because of the Women's National League is in the past, all divisions, excluding Premier Division, played straight 20-minute quarters while the Premier Division played 25 minutes straight quarters the question is for this state league without knowing yet what the rules are will they bring it back from 25 to 20 because we know that the exhibition matches played over the last couple of years at the afl level were only straight 20s
2: interesting question um yeah p- preferably i think 25 is is the way to go i think just to have that gladiatorial kind of attritional aspects to it i think um the longer it is the more of a test it is and the more you get that battle hardened look to you and the more you have that time playing i think it'll only benefit you come national competition next year let's say so yeah i think um yeah look like at the end of the day i think it'd be pretty good to know just what the rule is in this regard but yeah that's just my take on it
0: OK, let's start, let's start having a look at the teams as we uh, go towards Season 2016, the inaugural season of the VFL Women's Competition. And I'll kick off with uh, you first, Matt. The uh, Darabin Falcons, who, uh, to put it politely, destroyed Diamond Creek in the grand final, uh, essentially coming back with a uh, full-strength side. The only player missing is Asta O'Connor uh, with the knee injury, and she hopes to be uh, back and completing her rehab, I heard, in around uh, June. Um, The name escapes me at the moment, but I know a Paxman, that is, one of their senior players, is also back as well. So I guess the prideful thing for the competition is, um, for Darren they're essentially still at the same level they have been over the last few years. Yeah, they're an extremely stable side as well. The only other uh, big change for
1: for Darabin coming into the season is um, their coach. They've had a change of coach Mm. during the the off-season with Richard... Delpos stepping down from the, the senior position and uh, I think he's now in a coaching coordinator role. Yeah, he's yeah, kind of like Something a men- mentor type role. Yeah, so that that's going to be extremely handy and Jang and Lang st- steps into the position as senior coach. I honestly don't see another side this year really taking it to Darabin. I think the fact that they're so stable, the fact that they've got so many experienced heads, the fact that some of their younger players too have got another year under their belt and another year in the Darabin system, I I, I just can't see
0: anyone getting close to them. And Katie, um, I guess when we were all first talking up the Women's National League, we all expected it to be running during what I call traditional winter, through you know, through May, June, July, and we expected it to be gutting some state league sides. And we were all talking about this year as being, oh, this will be the last year of Darabin because if this National League runs parallel with the State League, all those good players from Darabin are gone and, and they'll come back down. But now that we know that the Women's National League will be before the State League, so all those players can stay for Darabin, um, the question is, when will the the end
2: well that's the exciting thing isn't it it's a lot of clubs have gone away in the off season and a lot of clubs you don't know where you don't know just what other clubs are going to come up with until you get out on the field it's um everyone wants to raise their game this year everyone wants to step up and with Durban, i mean as we pointed as matt pointed out it's not necessarily the stars that just sort of we, we obviously we know they're stars but there's another band of Players under that kind of bracket, like Alex, like Alex Reynolds, for example, and I mean they they were they, they were the ones that step up in, in that grand final. So I mean that's a scary part. I mean just everyone everyone else will try to go away and get better. What are they going to come up with next? What will Darwin come up with next? Well, do they get better? This is a this is a fascinating question around the year. But yeah, they're definitely the team to beat, and I think every crowd will be looking at them and wanting to take them down a take
0: of course, they've got the Hammonds playing for them, uh, which are both damaging up forward. Uh, you've got uh, Katie Brennan, as we said, um, uh, absolute superstar for them. A player which in my personal opinion, I think this year might have a breakout year. might even be in the long run seem to be better than Brennan is the own Darcy Vecchio I, I thought she was sensational in the grand final and it's looking onwards and upwards for her they've got the uh, solid back line there as we said with Paxman you've got the likes of Melissa Hickey you've got Siobhan Hogan down back and the Rucks the Kinross uh, and the Egan connection all waiting of course for O'Connor to come back uh, you've got O'Day there in the middle as well there's so many other names that you could rattle off you know if, if you broke the Darabin side in half you'd still have two very competitive teams
2: it's not necessarily the the elite that will that you'll always have to rely on to get it done during a season sometimes you're going to have to look for that um that second 12 that that lower band of players if you will it's um yeah it's, those are the clubs you build premierships on those are the cl- and those are the kind of players that you build success with so yeah again it's all looking pretty ominous for, it's all looking pretty ominous that Darwin will come back even better this year
1: they're, they're so consistent too. Um, you mentioned, I think, in the grand final, Pete. They're like a well-oiled machine. They, they've got there's no holes, and you know the, all those names that you just rattled off. They've got every position on the field covered. There's no weakness that I can certainly spot from last year's side coming into this year, which is why I think with this stability as well, they're
0: going to be a powerhouse again including del Alex Reynolds only just played last year as well I mean they've just got the, the you know the names are just falling out of the treetops for them there's so much talent let's talk about their um, I, I, can, can we say across the board do we all expect that Darabin are the clear Premiership favorites before round one begins
1: yes I, I, I'd say that I, I, I don't think as I said before I don't think there's another side in the VFL women's competition that could really challenge. Um, at Darabin unless they've got everything going right and as we saw at various stages last season teams had patches against Darabin but they couldn't put in a consistent four-quarter effort so that's that's why I can't see you know anyone knocking them off.
0: Okay now uh, I, I will I will put the tip out there though that I, I think Darabin will win the flag but I expect like last year I think they might drop one Against who is the question mark? I'm thinking maybe a St Kilda Sharks or Devils might pinch them on a good day. Uh, but, again, you've got to put them in the box seat to say they're going to have another dominant year. Let's have a look at the side that were runners-up. We'll start with you, Katie. Diamond Creek, they've had a coaching change as well, very similar to Darabin, where Brad Letterman's gone into more of a development coaching role there, a mentoring-type position. Tanya Hetherington taking over as the head coach role, uh, non-playing at the moment, while she's also recovering from injury from last year.
2: Yeah, look, incredibly consistent performers over the last years, and... Their rivalry with Darabin has pretty much been the stories of the last two, three seasons. So um they're gonna f think they're gonna find it tough to challenge again. But I'm keen to just see how they restructure and how they set up, particularly defensively with out Tanya Hetrington, who now coach. So there's a there's a challenge ahead for them to just sort of remake themselves in a way. I don't they as we saw last year, I think they really need to look at the way they enter forward fifty. Um and yeah, defensively is probably more concerning. I know they've added just Jess, Jess and Andrea Cameron, so that's a positive in that area, but defensively still remains the question. So what they what they come up with will be one to what will be the question for me. So how they um it's gonna be fascinating to see.
0: Maddie, can he go go to the well one more time? Can they make the grand final or was was last year, um, one where they had to rally because they were sitting outside the five I think at one stage. Um, Are they done and dusted or can they make it? Well, certainly at this point in time
1: they're they're a chance. Um, I've got them sitting third on my uh, ladder that I've drafted up to this season. i they're a weird one because, as Katie just said, the defence, that's got the, the biggest question mark over it. How do they cover the loss of, of Hetherington, who, who really was the, the marshal down back and, and got them all organised and and obviously played such an important role physically as well for um, taking over the, the top forward player? But, yeah, I, I just... The, the way they played in the grand final too, you know, they were very, you know high looping balls I know you've made comments about that as well Pete I I just don't know I don't know I don't know whether they've got to go into almost a, a rebuilding type phase to to have another crack or whether they can keep up that momentum that they got in the back half of last season in the Premier Division and continue it into this season I think there there are question marks and I just don't really know how to evaluate them.
0: Well, I've, from the information that I've seen, we obviously know that Hetherington is out because of her injury. Lyons is out because of her injury as well, so there's a star gone out of the middle. Uh, I believe um, Seacombe has uh, taken the season off. I believe she's uh, got a bun in the oven, I think. So um, uh, congratulations to her. And if I remember correctly, I think it was in the preliminary final that Nicole Paul might have done an injury. So when I look at their defence, when I look at Diamond Creek's depth... I don't think they can go to the well one more time and bring up their fourth grand final appearance in a row. And from my money, I reckon they actually might miss the finals.
1: I don't know whether they're completely shot because they've been such a great side over so many seasons. The question mark is going to be because they've got these players that are either injured or, or we think may have injuries or will be missing. Um, it, it's the depth And what depth have they got coming through? Because we haven't really seen that
0: too much in, in the past. I guess that's a concern, and I guess it's a positive when you look to the St Kilda's and the Melbourne Unis, for example, and you can count on your hand, you go, okay, there are a number of players, here, there are about 18, 19, 20, 21 coming through, and you can go, okay, there's a future crop you've got coming through. You can say the same thing at Eastern Devils as well. Um, the, I guess the problem is, Katie, when you look at Diamond Creek, if you try to think off the top of your head, right, who's 18, 19, 20, 21, that's a staff of them, there's not many you can name, and a lot of their... Quality players are in their late 20s or just into their 30s, and you know the body can only go so long and do so much.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it must it, it must have been a very exhausting few years for them, being at that kind of being at the level that they have been in the last in the last two or three years, ju- just going coming back for more every year in September, where they really know how to put it together, where they drag it out and eventually you bust eventually at some point things come to an end and this might be the year I'm really loath to write them off though I really think they have a habit of proving people wrong and it's kind of it's going to be interesting to see just what they come up with because while you have these injuries you don't know how they've changed things up structurally or who who they can bring in so it's I'm very loath to write them off but I think all signs point to them being um having a bit of a struggle this year.
1: Just on that, Just on that too with um, last year's, the last couple of games that uh, Diamond Creek played, the the, uh, the preliminary final against Melbourne Uni where at half-time they looked to be done and dusted and then they were able to come back and in the grand final as well. They never really gave up until uh, the last quarter. So I think Katie's right on that point. You, you can never completely write them off, but um, the question marks that currently hang over them, uh,
0: I think, are are pretty big ones. Uh, The thing that, uh, before we move on to our next side, the thing that sticks in my mind for Diamond Creek is, when it comes to heart, I would say on the record that they are the side with the biggest heart in the competition. They play with heart, but the problem is as the game starts to evolve, the element of can you win a game on heart becomes less and less and less because as Darabin have proven and the other sides are now starting to evolve and they will as the National League comes along, it's now about being very mechanical in your approach, being able to hit up targets, being able to come up with structured play and I've got a feeling that you can only go to well, you can only win by heart so much and Diamond Creek's skill level, and we've been talking about the high ball they put into the forward line, they don't lower their vision, they don't hit a leading target, they allow sides to flood back on them, and the high ball crucifies them. I've just got that feeling that that style of football, unless they change that dramatically, it's they're just going to get found out.
1: I, I see a similar sort of thing. Unless they've dramatically changed the way that they approach uh, game structures. Um, uh, they've got some pretty big holes that they need to fill, personnel-wise, and also mentally. And also, as you said, with their with their skill, you look at someone like a Darabin, who's they're just so consistent and it's so sharp. And all the other sides seem to come in and out in in patches. Diamond Creek were able to do it over a longer period of time uh, last season compared to any other side, but. They, they still, as you say, they rely a lot on heart. And as
0: we go into a more professional competition, how much longer can they rely on that? Indeed. And uh, the, the girls at Diamond Creek, you know, they know I love them as a club. You know, they're a bit bogan. That's what I like about them because I grew up in Brodie. But uh, i got to say, girls, if you want to, you can put my photo on the wall and the rooms if you'd like and put the words underneath it. Peter Holden has written you off for finals done, written off. And if they make the grand final, not win it, if they make the grand final, heck, I'll put a few hundred bucks on the bar for them on Mad Monday. That is how confident I am in my prediction. Prove me wrong. Let's move into uh, the side that finished third last year, and uh, that was Melbourne Uni. In a way, lucky to finish third because, um, as as we've always seen, Katie, they, they're very much an up-and-down club. A few weeks before they played finals, in fact, they got touched up by something like 160, 170 points at the hands of Darabin.
2: Yeah, that's the story for them this year. Do they find that consistency? Do they find that next level of maturity to become a true, genuine contender? I mean, we've seen they took it right up to Darabin early last season and they even beat them. So it shows you that their potential is there. The fact that they've played, the fact that they've gotten to the prelims in the last two seasons, lost in identical circumstances is almost scary, is they need to find that next level. They need to come up up to that um to that elite standard. So that's the that's the question for me this year and it'll be um it'll be good to find out just what they just how they go about that and just what changes they make to playing style game plan stuff like that. So in a time where everyone's just sort of coming up and just trying to evolve, just let's just see how let's just see if they've gone up another level.
0: It's going to be fun to watch. Katie, I guess uh, the concern for them, as I was uh, chatting to Cecilia McIntosh, uh, the C-Bomber, who herself's coming back through rehab, she's about uh, four to five weeks away from returning. Um, She told me that that there's going to be a large number of player unavailability at Melbourne Uni in the first four weeks. Um, Alicia Eva uh, is currently injured at the moment, as we said, C-Bombs coming back. She says a few players, just out of general unavailability, whether holidays or work or whatever, uh, just can not playing I think the first four rounds so that's going to be difficult isn't it for the muggers that you know they're going to be very similar to last year are on the back foot early
2: Yeah and I think that's probably the perils of being not being a fully professional league just yet like you you are liable to having players go to work and stuff like that so yeah that's that definitely is going to present challenges because once they all get back together that's going to take time to create that sort of bond again to get back on the same page again so might be a slow start and i'm I'm predicting this league to be very close this year so that might count against them
0: they're a curious case, aren't they, uh, Matthew Cox? Because w- when we start to name the midfield and some of the stars of Melbourne Uni, you look at it and you go, well, why aren't they up there with Darren? Because they are certainly household names. When you talk about Ali Blackburn a couple of years ago in an exhibition match, uh, had leather poisoning, she was getting the pill that much. Uh, you've got the likes in there of Caitlin Ashmore, super quick along the wing. You've got Emma Carty, is probably even quicker again, an all round athlete. You're throwing uh, Louise Stevenson, when I saw her on Friday night, his to have bulked up, so it looks like she's going to be a bit more of a physical presence out there on the ground. Carly Tapner around the half forward line, and and there's a few others you can throw in there as well, Alicia Eva, Maddie Kerrick, and Alicia Jantz, who they're really pumping up this year. You look at that and you go, yeah, they've got some names there, why haven't they made the big dance yet? And my
1: answer to that would be because they still don't have a focal point up forward, i don't know we we commented last season i I think it was louise stevenson she just didn't look like she'd be able to hold that role coming out of the goal square and taking those marks so it's it's good to hear that she she's bulked up a bit to take on that physical presence but i still have a concern over whether she can actually implement that during the game their pace is extraordinary we saw it a number of times last year how they were able to catch a lot of teams on the hop. Darabin, one of them in the early stages last year. So pace-wise, I think that's going to be their their strength again in 2016. But I, I still don't see that that physical presence. And, and even defence as well, I think that's a, that's a question mark for them. I, I, I think they've got a great midfield and, and a lot of that pressure that they apply to the opposition comes from the midfield. But elsewhere, they've got gaps that they need people to to step up and, and take responsibility.
0: Well there's one interesting thing that I saw at the uh, uh, practice match they had against the St Kilda Sharks which I should say for the record, the Sharks, even though there was not an official scoreboard, the Sharks absolutely dominated that day but I would say the Sharks had were closer to a full strength side than Melbourne Uni did and uh, and Andrew Jago was rotating players heavily on and off the ground um, only patches that Ashmore and, and Stevenson played including one girl who only played in a couple of patches at centre half four which I thought... Hello, might have just solved some of their problems because you talked about that focal point. Uh, remember this name, uh, a blonde girl named Jess Anderson. Uh, a couple of times in the third quarter at centre-half forward, leading out and taking some strong marks, crashing through packs, and it just makes you go, oh, hey, Melbourne Uni have found a way to use the corridor.
1: Well, that, that, that's a positive for them then. If, if there's if there's someone that can straighten them up when they go inside 50, um, that will only benefit them, and, and maybe it will just get them that extra step close to
0: to Darabin and potentially knocking them off again. I guess the only concern, though, when we do look at Melbourne, uh, Katie Lembeski, is their defence has traditionally been small. The only tool they had back there a couple of years ago, uh, Kat O'Brien, they had to move back on the ruck after Sparky went overseas. You know, we can talk about likes Nicole Hildebrand, great, but again, a small defender, there's a bit of, uh, there's a lack of height down there in defence, and when you're talking about having to go up against the Darabins for example, where you've got the height and speed and power of a Katie Brennan, they've got no one really in their arsenal who can stop a player like that, and no one who can stop a Mo oh, Hope, for example. So they've, they've got some defence problems.
2: Yeah, that's the issue there. But I keep thinking about the West Coast Eagles and what they did when their two tall defenders went down in the off-season. You had a redesign of the way they played. You redesigned their defensive structure. So with that in mind, and keep in mind also, there, there aren't many out-and-out out tall defenders. There aren't many in the league as it is so this is i wouldn't point this problem just to them but i think you've got to look at the way you you have to look at the way you defend you can't it can't just be about oh well that's injured well we don't have that play well now we're shot no you have to look at the way you defend you have to look at the way you set up so again that's that's going to be something to watch for again it might count against them again it might be again it might just be a part of something different
0: let's have a look at the fourth side now uh that was the St Kilda Sharks who would have been disappointed with their performance bombing out uh uh in that semi-final to Melbourne Uni another frustrating case Matthew Cox of a team with so much potential but just you know can't put it together consistently in fact when they got within a point of Darabin at the midpoint last year we all thought well here it is the Sharks have finally put it all together and then they dropped a cup, but they dropped one against the Eastern Devils, only got over the Eastern Devils in their third game against them uh, when they rallied in that final quarter. Uh, they're a frustrating side, but now with Sean Smith at the helm, maybe they might be able to find that consistency.
1: Yeah, another side that I think could... Uh, very similar to Melbourne Uni, I think they can take a step forward and, and bring that consistency, but yeah... Uh, I think, and we saw it last year as well. Brianna Davy was a real barometer for that side. I think in that patch where they dropped, I think it was four games in a row prior to their final round victory, um, Davy was, was missing there. So to, to rely so heavily on on her, I don't think's good, and and they you know need to look elsewhere to to help with that role and. I don't know. They're, they're an interesting case. They're an interesting case. I, I don't. Again, similar to Melbourne Uni, I'm not quite sure where whether you know to put them second or third or fourth on the ladder because I think they can go two ways this season.
0: Well, at the moment on my lad I originally had them missing out, but after seeing the, uh, after hearing news from Diamond Creek and seeing the practice match uh, of the Sharks against Melbourne, Union, I'm confident to put the Sharks back into the four. And Katie, you obviously follow the W League as well, so you would have seen Davey obviously in her role as, as goalkeeper with Melbourne City. It seemed the break that she had, she didn't play the front half of the W League season, has done her ankle some good because I watched her in the practice match and in the patches that she played, she was moving quick, and, uh, and I mean quicker than last year. Where she seemed to be jogging about because she had problems with that ankle.
2: Yeah, she's almost superhuman. I, I I haven't seen anyone in the league quite as good as her, and that's just Yeah, she's she's again, she's the key to everything for them, and and probably on her day, probably the best player in the competition. Second all right, second to Daisy Pierce. But look, I think it's that it's the rest. It's who who comes up with her. It's this kind of we want to see that consistency from them for so long and they are bloody good when they get it right but when it doesn't go right for them they just—it just it just doesn't seem to work for them so again that's a challenge for them as Matt pointed out they're similar to Melbourne Uni in a lot of ways in, in sort of having that consistency, that maturity to go up to that elite level so they're the one, if on a good day I reckon they can challenge that they're really they can really get it right and they can really be premiership contenders so again it's, it's all on them they're they're in control of their own destiny so again once to watch in the season
0: it's going to make me sound like the president of the brianna davey fan club but i can say in that game against abram where they only lost by one point um that day was probably the only day i thought i saw daisy pierce's colors pretty much lowered on the ground a because mclernand was uh, trying to tag pierce but at the same time in every contest that pierce was there they had davey on the ball and Davy was like a bull in the china shop. She grabbed the ball, got the ball first, and not only that, when you have the likes of Sarah Hammond who would normally smash anyone into the ground, and you had davy's just easily shrugging her off and just like, as I said, like a bull in the china shop, just bolting straight forward. Days like that you go, Okay, you know, if if Davy and Pierce end up on different sides in the national league and instead of this obsession they've got at the moment of having Davy in defence because she's a goalkeeper and actually use her in the middle, this might be the person that might be able to slow down Daisy Pierce.
2: Yeah, she's just extremely capable of playing anywhere with that in mind, but you cannot you cannot deal with that strength. That's what makes her so valuable that stoppages in particular, you cannot compete with that, simply put. She's had a whole career of having to stand her ground and stand tall in crowded penalty areas in, in the soccer field. So it's she's well versed in the game remarkably, which is remarkable given that she has only played for such a little amount of time. So again, one to watch and one that pretty much pin that St Kilda can pin their hopes to, but again it's all about creating it's all about creating the structure and creating getting everything else right rather than relying so heavily on a superstar.
0: Yeah, that's a very good question because in the past they've obviously relied upon the likes of Sarah Chapman in the middle to uh, try and help her out as well. So again, they've got two or three quality midfielders, but I guess that rotation of having enough talent in there to um, keep the wheels greased, so to speak, and, and keep the, keep that talent on through the game. Because that's I guess that's the one thing, isn't it, Katie, for the Sharks that makes things a bit difficult for them when they come up against other sides, particularly, again, mentioning like Darabins or the Melbourne Uni, they've got enough talent in their midfield to keep rotating players through the game, where the Sharks, you find, do have that five, ten-minute window where, because they've got to give that rest, they switch off.
2: And you can only go to the well so often. Those play- Every player has a limit and the, the more you rely on a certain player it ultimately costs you it's not a sustainable strategy so that's uh, that's a challenge for them creating a sort of sustainable performance level and elite stable performance level that can topple Darabin it's, Darabin are key with their consistency All, they're just such a remarkable consistent outfit and that's what everyone has to sort of replicate Because you, maybe you can get away with you know, superstars dominating for maybe half a season, and they'll get you a certain amount of wins. But if you want to win, if you want to go all the way, if you want that premiership, you really have to create something, something so strong across the board, rather than in a certain area or within a certain player. So, again, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to find out just where they go and just um, because everything is there for them to be a, a premiership team, just a matter of putting it out there.
0: Let's have a look at uh, the Eastern Devils. Uh, For me, I've got them as the side with a bullet. I think they will make the grand final. Brendan Major is the coach in charge. Um, It's funny that he got the coach of the year last year. As everyone said, well... You know, they finished six out of seventh last year and they're fifth out of six this year. You know, how's that a so called major improvement? Well, you've got to remember before that, uh, unfortunately, when they bombed out against the Sharks, they were sitting third. And, and Matt, from what we'd seen, I, mean, I guess comparing it to, la- to the previous year, is that they finally had some stability there, they finally had some structure, and besides maybe missing a a couple of star players, which they, and when I say missing a couple of star players, not through injury, just that they need one or two more cream of the crop to really make them competitive. They are a side that just seems to be getting better and better, their confidence is growing and I just think they might do the job and get to the granny.
1: Yeah, I'm not as confident as you about the Devils, but I certainly believe that they're on the right track. And, you know, we saw the progression that they made throughout last season. And if they continue to take those steps, then, you know, there's no reason that they can't make the last day of the season. But, yeah, you're right. They just don't have those elite players that... uh, that you were talking about then. They've got a lot of consistently good players, but I I wouldn't say they've got great or standout players that when the the game gets tough, they can just go that little bit extra and secure the game. I, I don't think they've found one of those players just yet.
0: Yeah, it was interesting that they had to rely upon, uh, for a while on the forward line, uh, Melissa Beatles, who, um, as uh, when <laughs> when we were talking about Catherine Smith making her debut at 16 or 17, and Joe Watt was saying, actually, Melissa's more than double her age. you like, oops. <laughs> you go, well, you know, you're going, you've are going, you got a few older players in there. And, and to be honest, going forward in those leagues, no offence to those players that are over 35, 36, but as years go by, you, you're not going to be able to rely upon players at that age. The game gets quicker. Um, they do still have some stars there including, besides obviously Meg Hutchins, absolute gun defender. But Katie Lambecki, uh we're seeing some pics of Sarah Perkins, who's been training with the Academy, a full forward for the Eastern Devils. Uh, she's a girl with a bigger frame, she's a bigger girl, let's not like hide that, but she's really starting to tone up and really cotton into shape over summer. And you just look at that and you go, geez, is, is she building? Is she going to have a real breakout year?
2: Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. She's strong enough as it is, and now she's all. And all of a sudden, she's going to get like quicker and more mobile at like, ground level, and still have that still that toughness that 70 meter
0: torpedoes that she occasionally kicks.
2: Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, she's someone you can build around, and someone whose goals that you can really that can really take you far. So that's really that's a scary thought for other teams, and that's hard. That's very hard to match up on. So the end. And look, to be honest, I was a little worried about. Uh, the Devils' post-retirement of Lou Watton, I think, but the way they've sort of banded together and really had a run, and really, with obviously with Brendan Major in charge, and have really lifted their game to another level. And I think they haven't. I think there's enough upside to them that they can get to that grand final, as you mentioned. And I think they, there's definitely enough there for them to be big. There's definitely enough there, there to be something good. So. Again, they're, I think they're really—they're going to be really fun team to watch.
0: Kearney's been great in the ruck for them, obviously they've got the likes of uh, Lambert there, um, uh, Helen Scott, Scotty's been doing great for them as well, um, very unlucky though that one of their half-forward flankers in Kendra Hyle, who um, played for Victoria 2 last year, um, hyper-extended her knee, did her knee at uh, academy training and is going to miss the season because uh, uh, Maddie, she, uh, the Canadian was really giving them something up in the half-forward flank and providing a crucial link if you'd like like when they were caught out wide. Yeah, and and a consistent link as well. She was always presenting, always
1: able to take marks and and almost, uh, you know, just provide another option up forward as well. On a few occasions, kicked multiple goals last year for the Devils. So that'll be a, a big um, loss, I think, for, for the Devils. The fact that, you know, she was that linchpin between the midfield and the the full forward position. It'd Be interesting to see how they go about trying to cover cover that down.
0: Uh, one thing as well, uh, I should also apologise to Hannah Scott for calling her Helen Scott there for a second, she'll, she'll kill me for that. Uh, Jessica Trend as well, Sarah Darcy in the side, so they've certainly got some talent. I do wonder, Katie, uh, last year, we saw that great improvement in the Devils, but the couple of close games that they did drop, there was the third game against Melbourne Uni, which was close that they dropped, the one where they needed to win to get in and they lost against the sharks at the peanut farm. I do wonder if that just came out of, and it happens with some sides on the way up is that they kind of haven't learnt how to win in close ones and they did drop their bundle. Will that just you know that close loss be that steely resolve for them next this year?
2: yeah i've I've sort of had those experiences before and they're the kind of games that you think never again this will never happen again you have that you you kind of build up that resolve to sort of get better and to really want to lift your game so though i think ultimately they'll be better off for having played those games because those are the teams that have challenged that have been the finals teams in the last few years so those, those are what you learn from and if you're I think we have to take from that. You have to really take from that and build on that. And I'm pretty confident that they can. They have the experience of say, and Meg Hutchins to sort of build and help and build through that. So it's about you know, learning, learning from that, and thinking, you know what, never ever again. This is the time to really stand up and to really take charge. So again, fascinating team to watch. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good to see how they go.
0: The last of yes. the Premier Division sides that are now in this state league, of course, are the Spurs. Uh, Matty, we knew them that they were in St Albans. They've now uh, relocated and renamed to be VU Western Spurs uh, out of Footscray, out of Henry Turner Reserve on Farnsworth uh, Avenue, moving 15 kilometres closer to the CBD. And uh, I, I know that's a bit of a trek for you there, <laughs> there, there Matty. You were living in Sunbury. They were nice and close to you, and then they move on you.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm still not too happy about that. That's an extra 15 kilometres I've got to travel to the to their home ground now. So <laughs> thanks for
0: thanks very much for doing that, VU Western Spurs. Yeah, you can, you can personally thank Katie for that. No, I'm not sure that he's behind buying that specific move. But, Katie, a uh, uh, big uh, off-season for the Spurs, which is incredible, because l- let me put it to you this way. There's many clubs, uh, men's clubs in suburban leagues, that when they have a year like the Spurs, where you're first and you reserve... Be getting smashed week in, week out. There was not really a hope of winning. Clubs like those in those uh, men's suburban leagues, particularly lower divisions, you know, it's almost, it's almost like a death rattle for them. You can almost think, oh, geez, will they get numbers on the training track next year? Are they doomed? For you, remarkably, the complete opposite. I think I even heard at one stage you had about 70 players on the books and I think something like 50 or 60 showing up at pre-season training
2: the last four sessions we've had 56 girls roughly out on the track so um to in my mind there is no doubt if any other club had gone through what we've been through in these last two or three years that they wouldn't be existing today we haven't uh look we've gone and we've relocated um i think that's really been a huge thing for us and all automatically we've seen the results of that we've seen whole influx of new talent come to the club and It's been a really incredible summer for us and we, to be honest, we're just done talking. We just want to get out there uh, in round one.
0: I guess when we look at it, um, is it a case of just two things have just gone right for you which re-energises your season? Uh, The the first thing is obviously moving a lot closer to the Melbourne CBD where it might be easier to attract players. And the second point that I make is because four sides from Division One have come up to join this competition, that there's at least an element of hope that, okay, even if you're unable to get a win against the former Premier Division sides because you've got 8 matches essentially against these former division 1 clubs there could be a chance that you could win anywhere up to 8 even if you win two or three there's a possibility of yes there's some chances of some victories
2: yeah but it's not necessarily a matter of targeting those games it's a matter of targeting all games and a matter of thinking week just sort of week by week and taking the game taking the game right up to every team rather than the four new teams i think it's great to have you know a bigger league i think that really needed to happen i think they've got that absolutely right bringing those four teams up and yeah look it's going to be fantastic to see how we go against them they're the games i'm really looking forward to and but yeah, I mean, the challenge isn't just how we go against those four teams. It's the challenge of how we go against your Darabins, Diamond Creek, Eastern Devils, and St Kilda. So it's it's tough. It's it's they're going to be tough games. So we're definitely we're best placed than I've ever seen us in the last two three years.
0: We'll talk about the Geelong Magpies shortly. But uh, I believe the Spurs did play against them in a practice match a few weeks ago. How did the Spurs perform?
2: We're really happy. We're really happy with the way. Um, we went with that and just really good to get to get a hit out more than anything I think it's just sort of getting that game sense get, just sort of getting into that game mode and yeah look very happy with the way we performed and really uh, again just really really keen to get out for round one
0: and of course if we have a look Matt at some of the key players the, the first name that always comes up when we talk about the Spurs is Bree White who of course played for the Demons in the exhibition matches yeah, yeah, pivotal player and
1: almost, the, you can almost say the heart and soul, of certainly the senior side at the the VU Western Spurs, mind you, I've only seen them play once, um, but all the, the vibe that you, you're getting out of the club, you know, the, the stuff that you're reading on social media, what Katie's just said, there's, there's a real positivity coming out of the club and you wouldn't expect that, as you mentioned before, a side, a men's suburban side that's gone through a similar sort of thing would have really struggled for that positivity. So I think it's fantastic that they've got so much optimism. And I think that makes them a real unknown coming into this year. There's, I reckon they've got a potential to be a smoky to, to make finals. I, I think if That's a big can, call. That's
0: a very big call.
1: Yeah, I... I, I, I There's just a gut instinct to me that that there's so much confidence that they're they're emitting at the moment. I reckon if everything lines up and everything goes right, that they can push for that that last spot. Um, I've probably shot myself in the foot now, but I I do honestly... I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I don't know too much about who they've got on the park at the moment, but the fact that they've got 56 turning up to training... The fact that um, you know they've essentially rebranded to cover most of the western suburbs, which I think is great in it, it itself. I, I just think that there's something that if everything clicks they could be a, a rough chance to, to make the finals.
0: Mind you, if they do, you're going to be seen as an absolute genius and we're playing back this audio at the end of the yeah. year. Uh, and, and, and I won't be travelling the extra 15 kilometres next season.
1: I'll, I'll just put that as a disclaimer. If they do make finals, they have to move back to St Albans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
0: I tell you, if you make finals, I think Katie will be buying you drinks. Don't worry about that. Uh, they'll, they'll be uh, very, very happy to go from where they were last year if they could improve on that. But but uh, Katie, we look again at uh, the likes of, I think it was Harrison and Guest and uh, quickly you know, players training at the um, academy. So if you've got a number of players there, that must mean you've got a number of stars in your side to work around and build around.
2: Yeah, um, I think it's really about getting, any, like, it's all, it's that all-important spine again. It's having that key defender, which we do have with Amy Harrison. And as well with Lauren Centric, the veteran defender, coming back another year. So, yeah, I mean, we're looking very strong. I mean, I'm very happy with where we're at, and yeah, it's just, um, just kind of way for round one. I've said it; I'll say it again. It's just, um, it's just a really exciting time. I'm, I'm excited just being at training every week. It just, it feels, it's really enjoyable. And having been around nearly 10 years, I think it's, uh, it's really good to feel that way again, and just to keep feeling that, that excitement. And yeah, it's keep, it's, it's, um, it's been a really good time.
0: Let's have a look at some of the Division 1 clubs, and I know some of them you would have played against as well, uh, Katie, uh, the previous year in 2014 when the Spurs had the reserves in Division 1 against some of these sides. Uh, You're talking about Cranbourne, who are an interesting case, aren't they? Because not only uh, as the Cranbourne Football Club, but a few of the girls, of course, um, did come across from the former Berwick when they actually split up uh, a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, that's a... I think they've really benefited from going down from being relegated and just sort of becoming crammed and becoming a really, and they've become a really solid unit as we've seen over over last year. They even they went on to win the flag. So I think Bianca Jacobson really stands out for me. Like um, coming back obviously from a knee injury last year and really, you know, being the spearhead for that team. I mean, that you can't just you can't deny the importance of that. Obviously, you have to have more than just the one star player, but Yeah, the the way they've just sort of rebranded and remade themselves and now in in a really strong position to come and play in in the VFL women's. So it's a lot about what they've done off the field as much as it has on the field.
0: Yeah, they've got a few names, haven't they, there? When you talk about uh, Bianca Jacobson, Hayley Wilds in there, uh, Hardeman as well. So they've certainly got some talent to mix it. They, they were crushing uh, what I call the Premier Division Reserve sides in Division One. So it, it's clear that they can go up a grade, I guess, like them and the, and the next three teams we'll look at. The question is um, how competitive can they be against the firsts of these sides?
2: That's the question, isn't it? It's... Um it's just how much they've grown. It's just how much they've uh, changed up to come back and really challenge to come back and really challenge the, the, the established five, if you uh, six, if you will. So, yeah, look, I'm really excited to see what uh, to see what they come up with. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun finding out.
0: Matty, let's have a look at uh, the Seaford Tiger Ets. of course, uh, you've seen them a couple of times and every time you have seen them, it hasn't been good news for them, maybe you're the jinx, because we saw them before the uh, preliminary final last year when they were playing in the Division 1 preliminary, um, and when we were doing our pre-game show, they lost uh, when the ball was coming back from time on, so they just lost by under a kick in that game. Uh, to be eliminated, and then the previous year you called the, when they took on uh, North Geelong in the Division 2 Grand Final and again they lost by a point with the ball coming back to the centre, if there's ever a side with a B in their bottle, you could say it's a C for Tigerettes I reckon if there's going to be
1: a close game this season and we enter the fourth quarter, uh, I reckon they'll be pushing me out of the ground because uh, <laughs> there's a detail there that history, I, I must be carrying something with them, but again, I, I think Most of the sides, these sides coming up from the the Division 1, again, they're a bit like the VU Western Spurs. They're all a bit unknown, and until we get a month into the year to actually gauge how competitive they are against the the established clubs, I'm not really sure, you know, whether they can make it finals. Um, Seaford last year going down to, to Knox, who went down to Cranbourne in, in the grand final. You know, the, the, and, and they were all close games too. There, there were no blowouts. So they're, they're an inc- incredibly competitive uh, bunch of teams that are coming up. So I, I don't really know where to, to rate any of them uh, until we actually see them get out onto the park and
0: strut their stuff. Well, before we talk about their players, let me talk about one thing. Uh, Brett Anderson, uh, who's been a, a well-known coach in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, and uh, including coaching the footy college up there at uh, Hellem, um, he's taken uh, no, Alexander Brett Alexander, pardon me, taken over as uh, coach uh, there at the Seaford Tigerettes, and the numbers have been so strong on the training track, they are fielding three teams this year. That's incredible. They are fielding teams in the State League Division Two of the VWFL and in the New South East Division of the VWFL. So, um, and I believe they've been doing the preseason training out of that. Um out of the ovals where the St Kilda Saints uh, are currently located in Seaford, so um, they've got the professional resources there. There's this huge um, catchment area in the southeastern suburbs. They seem to have it, and you're thinking if they've got three play, three sides worth. Okay, they might not make finals this year, but you're looking long way down the road. Going, you've got a big club with a big future on there on your hands. They've set the foundation for success
1: with the the depth. uh, and the the numbers, and and as you say, the the catchment area that they are. They're really the the standout club down that way at at this point in time, which obviously is great for attracting young players and and all that sort of thing. So of of the the sides coming up, I I think they're they're the ones that uh, show the most positivity for for maybe not this season to make finals, but I reckon uh, they could be the first ones to taste success out of this
0: four coming up. We have a look at some of the star players, uh, Katie Lambesky. We, we we know Kim Ebber, obviously training with the academy, but I guess the biggest name of all that, that sticks out from the Seaford Tigerettes is Kate Gillespie-Jones.
2: Yeah, really had a breakout year last year, even represented um, Victoria against New South Wales as well. So, again, just someone that can go on the rack or go and play forward and kick goals, it's, again, you can, those players are sort of irreplaceable. It's just... You're going to want to build off players like her as well. Someone you can really build around and really create something special around. It's great that they, it's great to hear that they're doing well um, because it's important for the game to grow. Um, having this sort, it's a huge catchment area. And all of all, all I can think right now is, they're not going back down now that they're up in the Premier, in the top league in Victoria. They're not going back down. There's enough there to be to be a powerhouse in a few years if everything goes right.
0: It's interesting to note their attitude as well i mean um uh proxy uh i i remember myself and uh Daniel hill are doing a game. Uh, when they were in Division 2. It was the top two battle, them and the uh, North Geelong Magpies at Seaford. And and we asked the two clubs, the respective coaches, go, oh, how do you feel about going up to Premier Division next year? Which they did, and they went up to Division 1. But we we asked about them their future road. The North Geelong attitude then was, oh, geez, we don't have reserves yet, so, you know, we're not quite sure. Maybe we're a couple of years away. I remember asking the then uh, playing coach, uh, Tina Henshaw, from Seaford, said, how would you feel about going up to Premier Division? She just went straight away love to, love to take the challenge and that and that's, it says it all doesn't it uh, Coxie that if you've got someone that's not afraid of the future say yeah we'd love to go up, we'd love to go to the next level that means they're a club that are looking for bigger and better things.
1: Yeah there's no, there's no holding back, they're, they're going at it at a, a bull at a gate and not worried about you know what happens if we go up, will we still get the players, there's no none of that worried about and I suppose given their location and given the the strong numbers they don't really have to worry about The greater implications of becoming such a professional club but yeah nothing nothing's going to be able to hold them back but the sky's the limit um with that sort of attitude for them which which is great to have especially you know they come up against a a darabin who 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 have been so successful for so long seaford aren't going to really care they're just going to go out there and, and play the way that they play and you know that might just be enough, maybe to get the, to get a win, maybe maybe not. Who, who knows? But I think they've certainly got the right attitude coming into
0: this uh, VFL Women's competition. And Katie, um, what's interesting is I'm looking at the Seaford fixture, and I have a look at some of the first the first four games they've got coming up. In that fixture, you've got Melbourne Uni, uh, Cranbourne, Durban, Geelong Magpies. Now on the raw face of it you would have said okay two of those games they're competitive. Cranbourne and Geelong Magpies who they've played against uh, last year in Division 1. So they're the two guaranteed competitive games. The one against Darwin On face value, you'd have to write off. Now, normally we'd say against Melbourne Uni in round one, yeah, you're going to have a loss on the board. However, as we talked about earlier, Melbourne Uni having another player's injured or away for the first four weeks, if you're Brett Alexander, if you're the coach of the Seaford Tigerettes, you might be telling your girls, this could be a chance to pinch one early. And if things go their way, if you were three wins from four matches after the first four rounds, 1st year up in a new league, you'd take that
2: absolutely you would i I take a look at that opening fixture that opening month and i, I agree with you I think it's it's looking like three and one um, again you can't look too far ahead and you can't think oh yeah we're gonna win these games no you have and, to go and, that,
0: and they could easily be they could easily be zip and four obviously you know Geelong and Kramer could improve them and beat them but there is hope
2: yeah oh no doubt about it and hope is hopes a powerful thing um they they, they kind of go in with um they kind of know what to expect. Though, obviously, in those couple games with Cranbourne and Geelong, it's um, again this was one well, this was the team that pretty much shook up the existing order of the Division One last year. Who just sort of came and just sort of tore apart those Eastern Devils reserves, those Melbourne Uni reserves as well. Um, yeah, again, it's it's great that they're up in the in the senior division, and it's great to it's great that they have that attitude of taking everything on. They have they have it's. If, again, it's gonna be it's, I think it's gonna be a pretty tight ladder this year. So going three and one to start the season is not a, is not a bad position at ought to be in.
0: Maddie, the Geelong Magpies that we focus on now, they were formerly North Geelong and now they've decided to rebrand themselves Geelong Magpies and they are getting uh, at least some assistance from uh, AFL Barwon to try and help them out, to try and be the team of the Geelong area. Uh, you saw them in the grand final a couple of years ago, the likes of uh, Cranston, the likes of Maddie Boyd as well. They're a team that's got a few talls, they're a team that can kick goals, and they're a team that um, over the last couple of years have had finals action in Division 2 and Division 1.
1: Yeah, but it's, again, an, an interesting club because they do have those standout um, players that, that you just mentioned. That And with that support from uh, AFL-Bowen and, and the greater Geelong community as well, you, you just wonder how far they can go. Obviously, on paper at the moment, you'd probably suggest they're the weakest of the, the four clubs coming up to uh, to this elite level, but I don't think you can just discount purely because you know they they bombed out in the in the semi final last year of Division One. You can purely discount them on, on that matter. But again, again, with, with these clubs coming up, your you Cranbourne, Knox, Seaford, Geelong, I think it'll be interesting to see if they get off to a positive start and maybe win one or two games in, in the first month and then, then who knows where they can go in 2016 and i think geelong fits under that category but they have to get a good start they have to get a good start they have to make sure that those that their best players are, are fit and firing and, and really leading the the ones that are
0: developing and, and coming through they, they really need to show the way and with respect to their opposition of course if you just looked at it on paper uh, the, they've got round one, the Spurs. So, in theory, they're taking on what was the bottom side last year, Premier Division. So, that's, on paper, the best matchup you could have in round one if you're a club coming up. So, for them, it's a case of, if they win, great confidence booster. If they push the Spurs close, okay, we're thereabouts. If something happens where the Spurs beat them heavily, oh, jeez, you're on the back foot early, and there's, you know, a few nervous nellies.
1: Yeah, and it'd it shoot their confidence right down, because at the moment... There's a lot of optimism coming into 2016. As I think Katie said before, and I believe as well, from position two down, I think you could throw all the balls in the air and see where they land because it is looking like it is going to be an extremely tight ladder come the back half of the season. So you really need to get a strong start away and, and furrage along you know a, a couple of wins I, I don't know who they've got beyond round one i haven't got the fixture in front of me but if they've got a couple of games where they can either be pushing for a win or they, they get a few wins under the belt then they get that confidence you know again they, they could be another um western spurs in my books or, or the cranberry seaford knox all of them they can all make finals
0: Well, they've got, according to the fixture here for their first month, as we said, the Spurs, but then they've got the St Kilda Sharks, Diamond Creek, than Seaford. So they've got uh, a pretty rough couple of weeks to start with uh, after the Spurs game. Uh, one name that we just quickly look at for the Magpies there, uh, Katie Lembeski, uh, uh, a young girl who's uh, won a uh, best and fairest at the Youth Girls Carnival a few years ago. One of the best players to represent the Vic country team is Lily Mithen She played a couple of games last year in D- Division 1. She's still you know, a young girl, still plenty of years behind her and everyone's rating her as a great midfield she's going to be on the Geelong books
2: yeah that's a it's a huge thing for them to have it. I think it, there's a lot of I hear a lot of good things about her and that she's obviously had the experience already with their division or well, last year's division one team so I think it's a, she'll grow the more she gets exposed to VFL women's level and she's I think she's definitely one to watch not just this season but for the future years ahead I think There's just a lot of raps on her from a lot of people well-respected in the game and uh, I look forward to seeing how she goes.
0: Let's have a look quickly at the final side and we do say quickly and apologise to them because out of all the games we've covered in uh, 2014 when we covered various divisions and then just the Premier Division obviously last year, they're the one side we actually generally haven't had a chance to have a good look against, we only quickly glanced them on grand final day and that is the Knox Falcons and uh, Maddie, they're in a, a very interesting position where they're located at Turner, which is essentially just down the road from Wheeler's Hill which is Eastern Devils territory, so you've got two uh, Premier division clubs on each other's doorstep uh, scrapping for players in the same area creates a little bit of rivalry doesn't
1: it, what we like to see in footy and you can't get through, they only lost the grand final last year in division one by, by a point and we're the more accurate of the two uh, of Cranbourne and Knox as well uh, Cranbourne 6-9 and Knox 7-2 so I don't know whether that says uh, anything and what you can read into that but
0: it would be interesting to see how they go well, yeah, they've got uh, a few players in there when you look at Crockett Grills, uh, Slatter, Dempsey, Papadopoulos. Uh, Melissa Keys is the one to... Oh, pardon me, Melissa Qs. I keep getting that wrong because it's spelled K-U-Y-S. Melissa Keys. they call Dutchie. Um, she's a player that's been training with the academy. A- and as one, uh, Katie, she played um, in the VWFL All-Stars, which I guess to explain for those at home um, and that Anzac match, Katie, it's a case of not the Premier Division players but almost like the best of the rest.
2: Yeah, um, I think that in that game, it's a real focus on uh, the Division One players and stuff like that. But yeah, um, she's been a real stalwart for them, a real leader for them, and I would probably expect more of the same out of her. Her to lead the way. I think they're a team that we saw a few times last year that can really score heavily and can really put teams away. So they're going to be relying on that. I do like the, I do like the touch of the local rivalry with these. And Devils, I don't think there's enough of that, a real kind of derby feel or derby feel to it. So, yeah, um, I think ultimately the league benefits from them being in, and uh, I think it's important to have these teams coming up with what they're doing. So, again, it might be a year of learning for them coming up to the elite level, but yeah, again, I think that there's enough there that can really challenge teams on the
0: day. And uh, you just mentioned there about local rivalries. I guess there's going to be two big ones that we're going to be talking up this year. As you said, uh, Knox and the Eastern Devils uh, for their derby. We're going to have to come up with a name for it uh, sooner or later. But the the one that I've been cheekily uh, thinking about calling the River Plate, as in uh, you you should have a plate on offer because you've got the river separating you and, of course, the club River Plate, very droll and ironic. Uh, The Spurs and Melbourne Uni, who uh, are butting on zones, aren't they? because you're in the Footscray area and then right on the opposite side of the river is Flemington, where Melbourne Uni have a juniors presence there. So uh, those two clubs have moved in closer together. So, Maddie, we're going to see a couple of local stouches, shall we call it, through the year.
1: Yeah, and I think as a a spectator watching footy and, you know, to try and get a bit more exposure too for VFL women's, I think we're going to have to see more of of this rivalry, whether it's location-based or whether, you know, the, the thrillers... For example, the Eastern Devils and St Kilda Sharks, so I think that's got another um, chapter in that story. So I think the more of these clashes that we can talk up, and I don't know who's on the naming rights committees of uh, what cups they're going to get, but I don't know whether the, the, the river, river The
0: river plant. plate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you should be sacked from the head of that committee, <laughs> but... Uh, No, I think we we certainly are going to need to see more because it it interests people and it'll get those, you know, the the ones that are hovering who have seen the the coverage of women's footy over the last six months. If you can build it up in these... In the local papers, is you know, go down, watch, it's going to be a great match because they're going to be close contests or what have you. The more interest that you can create in the community, the more people that are going to attend games and the more people that are going to get involved in
0: women's footy, which is only going to be beneficial. Indeed, it'll be interesting to watch the attendance figures uh, this year. And uh, I should mention as well, it may be awful, the River Plate, but I do need to point out a rivalry between uh, Ocean Grove and uh, Barwin Heads in the Ballerine Football League, where the trophy they play for is actually an old bedpan. So... (laughs) And uh, yeah. the, pardon, you, you should pardon, be sacked on the, that committee then, Pope, Yeah, pa- a uh, pa- Pardon, my, pardon my language for a moment, but it's actually officially called the Piss Pots Cup between the two <laughs> sides in the Battle of the Bridge. So uh, if you can find, I think Ocean Grove won it last time. Go down and see, and it's actually an old hospital bed pan. Uh, before we go and wrap up this uh, preview of the uh, VFL Women's State League for 2016, we really should get some uh, predictions. Uh, I guess leaning goal kicker league best and fairest for the year and top four uh i'll go to katie lambeski first who do you think will make up the final four this year and the league's best player and the league's leading goal kick. even though i think two of those are probably pretty much easy to pick
2: top four it's hard to go past darabin in obviously in first place um eastern devils to go second and the sharks to go third and Melbourne uni at fourth i think um We'll, I think we'll run a few teams close, but we'll just see how it all turns out. I think um, the top um, best and fairest, I'm going to go with Brianna Davy. I have to go with Brianna Davy, And uh, with the leading goal kicker, I think you have to go, you can't look further than Katie Brennan.
0: That's an interesting pick. You, you actually have surprised me. Matthew Cox, your top four leading goal kicker and league best and fairest. Uh,
1: Darabin on top. I reckon I'm going to put Melbourne Uni in second. I think their pace can expose uh, their opposition. So if they just tinker with a few other things and get their structures right, I reckon they might be able to finish second. I'm going to say Eastern Devils third and Diamond Creek fourth. Um, that's, That's top four. And Obviously, if everything goes well, then VU Western Spurs is a roughy. Um, I'm going to say similar to Katie, I think Brianna Davy. I think if she can stay on the park and not be hindered by those ankle issues that she had last season and actually get a full season as well, I think she's going to be uh, right up there to take the, the accolade at the end of the season. And I reckon for the goal kicker, I'm going to go with Darcy Vecchio. I think as you alluded to earlier, I think she's in for a breakout year.
0: Well, I'll go with uh, my top four for this year and uh, obviously leading goal kicker and best and fairest. which I should put a little side note. It'll be interesting to see what they name the awards because we have the Premier Division still in the VWFL. It looks like the Helen Lambert medal and those respective uh, name medals will be retained. So because of a new league, that will probably mean new medals will be named after best players. So it'll be interesting to see what process they do to come up with the names of those respective medals. Uh, but I'm going, uh, first of all, for the uh, top four, Darabin on top, have to be Premiership favourites. We said there's been very little change to their squad. And uh, as you said, players like Vesio and Reynolds are getting better. And Dolpos as well. And, you, you know, you just... I can't find a way to stop them, to be honest. Darabin, for me, Premiership favourites. I've got coming in second, the Eastern Devils. I just think they'll be a lot sharper this year. And they're a team that's just going to grind out victories. Uh, for third position... I'm going to go with the St Kilda Sharks. I think we're going to have a breakout year from Brianna Davey, Pepper Randall as well, and you're not going to be able to stop Mo Hope. And I'm going in for fourth. I'm seeing a late run to get that fourth position, just to nick it at the depth for Melbourne Uni. They'll have a poor start, but I think they will have enough talent to get over the line. Sorry, Crickers, you miss out in fifth. Um, For me, the best player, I know this is going to sound cliche the next two, but Daisy Pierce, you know, if you're getting 30 odd possessions in an exhibition match um, before pre-season, Got a feeling that she's going to be, again, very, very hard to stop. Unless we can find a tagger to, uh, to, to, to cut her out of the game, she's just going to be rang up 30 oppositions each week. She'll be winning the league best and fairest. And Moana Hope, I've seen uh, in a couple of preseason games now, and she's moving quick, she's moving very agile, and she's just simply unstoppable. You're going to get a guaranteed minimum of three to four goals from her every game. Times that. Three times over 18 straight away. Give me some numbers. You're looking at, what, 54 goals minimum. That is, you know, most don't even get to that in second. Moana Hope easily the leading goal kicker. So uh, that wraps up things for our preview of uh, season 2016 here on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Uh, First of all, to the uh, girlsplayfooty.com co-founder and contributor SBS Zeller, Katie Lambeski. Thanks very much for joining us. And uh, all the very best when you pull on the boots. I think it's going to be sometime in May, isn't it? for your Division 2 uh, when you play with the Spurs? Uh,
2: April, uh, April 17th, I'm pretty sure. Um, it's going to be an exciting time. I cannot wait to just get back out there again. Thanks, for
0: and, of course, to uh, Matthew Cox, the voice of the uh, Ballarat Football League, who, of course, will be uh, joining us throughout the uh, Victorian Football League women's season in the commentary position. And, uh, Maddie, before we let you go, that quick plug for that show on NRG FM. Yeah, uh, move to a Saturday
1: now, Saturday morning, 9 o'clock for an hour. So uh, tune in to find out about local sport and, of course, uh, keeping the, the women's footy relevant, the Sumbury side in Division 2 this year, which is great to hear. So no doubt we'll have them on throughout the year, 9 o'clock on 99.3 FM Sudbury Radio on a Saturday morning.
0: Hi Peter Holden. Thank you very much for joining us here on girlsbayfooty.com and uh, we'll catch you soon with another girlsbayfooty.com podcast.